Welcome to 1,000 Miles of Desert and Mountains, brought to you by the University Libraries at the University of Nevada, Reno, and the Washoe County Libraries. This project explores George and Josephine's 1,000-mile-long prospecting trip across Nevada in 1914 through the pages of their diaries. The diaries, which are housed in special collections and university archives at the University Libraries, are an excellent primary source and give us insights into what life was like at the time while connecting us to George and Josephine and the people they met along the way. As we join George and Josephine today, the date is Monday, June 1st, 1914. George and Josephine have reached Amargosa, Nevada and are having some luck with their prospecting. Amargosa, Nevada, Monday, June the 1st. George Andrew Scott, 1858. It drizzled early in the morning and remained cloudy all day. Wrote a four-page letter to Lizzie and a three-page letter to Plummer. In the letter to Plummer, he was told that both Cairo, the palmist, and himself told me when I was 45 that I would die. When I was 55, I advised him that I had now passed the 55 year and feeling fine. We crushed and panned some float that I brought in the first day that I had Chino along and we found a streak through it that carries free gold in good quantity. The Dutchman was up at three o'clock and by half past three was on the road to Indian Springs. Carr told me in the evening that he had a phone message from Johnny that our registered letter had come in. Amargosa, Nevada, Tuesday, June 2nd. rained heavily in the forenoon. A package came from Sears Roebuck and Company with things as ordered. I went over to the Mexican bunkhouse where they have an iron last set up outdoors and put half soles on my shoes, also heels, heel and toe plates, and drove everything full of nails. Chino stuck his foot in a tin can and we had to use the can opener to get it off. Sent letters to Morgan, Vauter, Condi, and Mrs. Rudolph. Jones brought a registered letter from Cone with $35 in currency and 54 cents in stamps. Jones says that the mine that Paxton and I ran across when we were hunting our burrows was called Leadville. A man by the name of Thomas owned it, but gave it up because the vein is too narrow. Jones took it up, but let it go, and last year a man by name of Coleman took it up and did the work on it. The appeal to reason in publishing the obituary notice of a man in Girard, Kansas, says that he was a native citizen of the empire on which the sun never sets, that he was a sober, hard-working man, 60 years old, and that his friends reverently placed his share of the empire on top of him.
Thank you for listening with us today, and please join us next time when George and Josephine are in Amargosa, Nevada, and meet William G. Morris, a local homesteader. Special thanks to Special Collections and University Archives at the University of Nevada, Reno, for making the diaries available, and to our reader, Jeremiah G. Nelson, for bringing George and Josephine's words to life. Big thanks to the 1,000 Miles Project team, Kim Anderson, Reed Barris, Catherine Dirk, Emily Dunster, Nathan Gerth, Chrissy Klenke, Michelle Rebelotti, Landon Renwick, Laura Rock, and Lucas Starmer, along with me, your host, Robin Monteith. Episode music provided by Thomas Jones Chase, Tim Torrance, and Per Anders Nilsson, courtesy of Universal Production Music. You can explore more of the 1,000 Miles Project at library.unr.edu slash 1,000 miles, or simply find the link in the show notes. Thanks for joining us.